Again, just talking real quickly about the situation that we find there in the church in the Corinth. Pride was a common, uh, was a common attitude in that church. There was, there was pride, and we've covered extensively the divisions which existed because many of the folks in the church had picked their favorite preacher or teacher. They had formed these little personality clubs, and they had, they had decided that their leader was better than the other leader. So there were, there were these cliques. There's these groups that have happened, and there's division now. There's schism. There's not just, well, man, I really like that guy, but I think this one's better. It wasn't that. It was, they like this guy, so they're tearing the others down. And there's this pride that came in. We've talked about the, the, the city of Corinth and how they would have attached themselves to other people to try to better themselves in society. Well, that attitude comes into the church. Well, I'm going to attack myself, attach myself to Paul or Apollos or to Peter. And, and through that, now it's going to help my status in the church. And that's really what's going on there. And it created division because they weren't, they weren't in Christian love. They weren't caring. We looked at that extensively last week. But that's the attitude that's going on in the church. And it's far from a humble attitude. That's what we're seeing. Almost, uh, also, many in the church were resistant to the instructions Paul had given to them. Some had even become arrogant. If you look down in verse 18, it says, Now some are puffed up as though I were not coming to you. So there's not just a little pride going on. There's some arrogance coming on. They've gotten puffed up about this thing. Oh, well, Paul, you know, so apparently kind of what they were saying is this, you know, Paul, who does, who does he think he is? You know, we don't have to listen to him. That's, the, that's the, the attitude that they had gotten. And these problems were rooted in pride. Sinful pride was popping up in various situations in the church. As we read through 1 Corinthians, it's not just with the divisions. We're going to see problem after problem after problem that they were having. This can be a discouraging book because it is all about the problems they were having in the church. But it's so encouraging because it helps us correct those problems in our church and make sure and, and, and go either ahead of time we're going to confront it or we're in it and we're going to fix it. Okay. So it, it's so encouraging while it's at, at times you read it and you go, man, these folks are just, man, they're a mess. And I go, Hey, look at us. Look at us. We're a mess. And if we think we're not, we need to deal with this this morning about pride because we are a mess folks. If we're going to be honest, we are. And so they're rooted, these problems are rooted in pride. Look at verse 6. Verse 6 there. Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written. So the Corinthians have failed to heed what was written in Scripture as to how leaders were to be viewed. And when you finish up verse 6, he says, so, so what, what, that what is written, he says, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against the other. You shouldn't be. What are you doing? The very thing you're doing is, is against what's written. It's against the way you should view your leaders. And he's, you know, he dealt with that earlier. We looked at that last week of how they were, they were tearing one down when they needed to be looking at all of them as, a, as what they were, a gift from God. If I preach, you ought to say, praise the Lord. If I bring the word of God, if when Pastor Aaron preaches, you ought to say, praise the Lord. That's a gift from God. When Raymond preaches, you ought to say, praise the Lord. We have a guest speaker come in. Praise the Lord. That's a gift from God. There's other people with different styles and different gifting the different techniques and all that. And if they're preaching the truth of God, we should praise the Lord for that. Amen. And so, and that, 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 so that's what Paul is telling them. 
that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against the other. Verse 7, for who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did not, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? He's dealing with them. He's questioning them right there. Why are you acting? I mean, you're acting like there's, you've got something that you know, wasn't given to you. Folks, we don't have anything that wasn't given to us. Nothing. We came into the world with nothing. It was just everything that we had when we came into the world. Our personality, our brains, our minds, our, our, our bodies, whatever, whatever we are, God gave it to us. There's not a thing that we did on our own. And we can understand that. So the Corinthians had forgotten a very basic fact of life, that God is the source of everything that is good. Amen? God is the source of that. Verse 8, you are already full, Paul says. You are already full. You are already rich. You have reigned as kings without us. And indeed, I could wish you did reign, that we also might reign with you. Boy, you guys have just got it going on. And Paul is using sarcasm right here. Don't you love that in Scripture? I love the sarcasm. I love, I love the Lord's sense of humor and the things that are written into Scripture all through it that we find. But right here, Paul's being sarcastic. Hey, you guys are already full. You're already rich. You've already reigned as kings. Boy, I wish you were kings because that means we'd be reigning with you if you were kings. So he's, he's being sarcastic here. And the Corinthians think that they're on top of the world. They think they're pretty special. And it appears that some may even see themselves as superior to these apostles. I mean, when you start looking down on them and judging them, you see yourself as better than them. We go look then at verse 10. He says, Paul says, we are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. Paul's using irony here to make his point. But even if the Corinthians were not choosing to put things in those words, Paul does describe their attitude. Exactly what he's saying there, he's, he's describing their attitude and the way they were acting. They think they're, they're much wiser. They think they're much stronger. They think they're, they're, they're more, much more honorable than the apostles of Jesus Christ. But what they were was P-R-O-U-D. That's what they were. They had a big old dose of pride. They had begun to look down on everybody else, even the apostles, the servants of God. They were looking down on them. Now, in contrast, humility was the attitude among the apostles. When we, when we see them, when we see their lives, it's a life full of humility. And even though they had been chosen as representatives of Jesus Christ, they didn't put themselves on a pedestal. Look back at verse 9. For I think that God has displayed us. Now, now watch this. You have to think about this. We'll go. For, for that God has displayed us. He's talking about himself and Apollos and Peter. Has put us on display. Has, has displayed us. The apostles last. Not first. Not put us first. Not first in rank. But man, we're last. As men condemned to death. That's the idea he's telling them. That's us. God has displayed us, the apostles last, as men condemned to death. For we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. And I think as I read that, I think Paul surely has to be thinking about the, the Roman arena where condemned criminals were often sentenced to fight in those, in those arenas to death as gladiators or might have even been cast to the lions. So they, they, but here's the deal. If they, were, if they had been judged, they were going to be thrown into that. They First, they would parade them out in the public as objects of ridicule and scorn. They just put them out there to be laughed at and mocked and maybe stuff thrown at them. But that's what Paul says. That's the way God is displaying us. 
There's nothing great and spectacular about that. Man, it's, it's a very humble thing. Paul implies the, the, that the apostles often get uh, no respect. Uh, they often get no more respect than those people, those people in the, the, the gladiators, those that were going to be thrown to the lions, those that were going to fight. They got no more respect than they get, that that was the way the apostles were often treated. And he continues to describe how lowly their position has become. Look at, again, we're going to look at verses 10 through 13. Now, I want you to notice as we read these verses um, I want you to notice the we, the we comments. Okay, there's a lot of we's in here. When you read your scripture, when you read through it and read through it, when you see words again and again and again, you should think of those, highlight those, look at them because there's a reason they're there. But look at what he's saying, verses 10 through 13. He says, we are fools. He's talking about the apostles. We are fools for Christ's sake. But you are wise in Christ. He says, we are weak. But you are strong. You are uh, distinguished, but we are dishonored. Then he says, to the present hour, we both hunger and thirst. And we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. And we labor working with our own hands. We didn't come in and take advantage of you, he's saying. We, 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 we labor, we work. God's called us, we're going and doing what he's called us to do. And yet we're working and providing for ourselves. We're not taking advantage of you. We labor, working with our own hands. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure. Being defamed, we entreat. We have been made as the filth of the world, the offscouring of all things until now. Now, is Paul boasting about this? Is he posting in like a false humility? Is he posting right here? He's not. Absolutely not. He's not boasting. He, he's not going, hey, we're all these things. We hunger with. You know, he's not trying to build himself and make himself look good by looking bad. That's not the idea here. He's stating the fact of their condition as apostles. When the Corinthians were great, everything's wonderful. You're so noble and you're rich and you're smart and you're powerful. But this is where we're at. He's not boasting at all. I don't know, most of you aren't old enough to remember a show called The Guns of Will Son. Anybody in here remember that? Anybody remember that? All right, a couple. Uh, Dave, Dave's back there like, yeah, I got Dave's attention. Well, Will Sonnet was played by Walter Brennan, and apparently he, he I didn't get, I see it a lot, but I, I've seen some clips, and apparently Will, uh, Will Sonnet or Walter Brennan's character, he, you know, when he would describe one of his exceptional abilities or accomplishments, he would end it with this phrase, he'd say, no brag, just fact. That's what he'd say. Look, that's what Paul's doing right here. He's not bragging about his humility. He's not bragging about what they're doing for God. It's not brag. He's not trying to brag and make himself look bigger. What Paul is saying is no brag, just fact. That's, that's who we are. That's what we're doing. That's how we live our lives. And uh, Paul is simply pointing to the true humility which is evident in his life and in the lives of the other apostles. Now look at why he is doing this. Verse 14. Paul says, I do not write these things to shame you. Now, I promise you, as they read some of that, it shamed them. It absolutely, it shamed them. It should have shamed them. If it didn't shame them, they still ain't got their heads on right. It should have embarrassed the snot out of them. But he didn't do it. 
He didn't do it to shame them. Look what he says. I do not write these things to shame you. I can imagine he wrote it, man, this is going to be hard. This is hard. I don't want to say this. I don't want to have to put this out there, but I got to deal with it. I don't do this to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you as through the gospel. So you have to remember it was Paul who brought the gospel there to Corinth. It was he who founded the church there. And probably, Paul probably personally led many, if not most of those people, to the Lord in that early church. Paul is their spiritual father. He loves them. He is concerned for them. And he tells them this. It is a warning for them. Verse 16. He says, therefore, I urge you, imitate me. That's a, that's a confidence that Paul has. I'm going to tell you, that's a humble confidence. Because I, 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 I don't know if I'd stand here and if I could stand here and say, hey, I, y'all need to imitate me. I know my flaws. I, I'm like, I don't want a bunch of y'all being like me. No, you, you follow the Lord. But Paul was confident in where he was with the Lord. He says, I urge you, imitate me. For this reason I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you. Now, they already know. He's not going to come teach them. He's going to remind them. These things that Paul has already taught them. He is going to remind them of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. Church, Paul says, look, I taught you guys this stuff. I taught you the importance of being humble. I taught you this. But I'm, going to, but, but I'm saying these things because you're not being humble. You're not living right. You got your hearts wrong. You got your heads wrong. You need to get this straightened out. And so here's what I'm going to do. Look, you guys need to imitate me. You need to humble yourselves like me, like the other apostles. You need to humble yourself. And so I'm going to send Timothy to you. And Timothy's going to come. He's going to teach you. He's going to remind you of the things you've already been taught. He's going to teach you these things that I teach everywhere. So... Paul says, you know, we've learned humility. You're proud. Imitate me. And so I'm sending Timothy to help you with this and to remind you of this. So then the question would come as you're sitting there, someone asked this question. But pastor, is humility really that important? Does, does it really matter if there's great humility? Do I have to be humble? How big a deal is that? Look, is, and, and the other question might be, is pride really that big of a problem? Well, the short answer is this. Yes. Yes, pride is a huge problem. It's not a little problem. It's not a problem. It is a huge problem. The word pride, now let me state this, because the word pride has a couple of different meanings. So in a sense, when we think about this, there's a good pride and a bad pride. I'll I'll illustrate this way first before I read that. Um, I have a, a, years ago, um, before we moved to Florida, there was a church in, in Tennessee that had called me and, and they, were, they, were, uh, they were on the verge of calling me as pastor, and I just knew it wasn't the right place, it wasn't the right time, and I know why now. It's easy to see that now. But, so we didn't go there. But the, the, the deacon who I'd built a relationship with through that process, he and I still, he's a big Tennessee fan. He knows I'm a Georgia fan. So we'll, we'll, he'll, I'll get a text from him two or three times a year. I'll text with him. And, uh, but, but, I, but I made this comment. One time he sent me a picture of his grandkids. He's three or four little grandkids, just beautiful little family, you know. And I text back and I said, man, you must be so proud of of your family. And he texts back and he says, not proud, just very thankful. 
And, and here was the, the problem. And when I was there, I sensed this. That church has a very, they got a real problem, a real caution with pride. And they wouldn't, they, did, they would let people sing a special, but nobody could clap. Because if you clapped, you'd build up their pride. You see what I'm saying? So that there was a real aversion in the church to pride or, or what they perceived as pride. So the, the word of that, pride, I mean, gosh, do you not get the warm fuzzies when you look at your grandkids? Do you not well up with pride? I'm, I'm proud as punch of my son, Jesse. I don't think I'm any better than anybody else because of, of him. I'm proud of Jordan. But I don't think I'm better than anybody just because of that. So, so there's, there's two different kinds of pride. So I want to explain a little bit. You know, a few weeks back, some of, some of us in here or years back, and, and, and we've had this situation where as a parent, you have a kid, a son or a daughter, that's going to walk across the stage and, and get their diploma. Well, I did that up in Pensacola. Jordan watched across the stage and got her diploma. Man, I was, I was proud of that. I was proud of my daughter and what she was, she's, the work she's put in. Man, that good feeling it gives you that, man, she's, she's doing something good. Jesse graduating. Both of, them, both of them starting new jobs tomorrow, starting on the, you know, their careers tomorrow. I'm proud of that. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for them. It's, you know, it gives me a good, warm feeling. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, you know. And, and, and so hopefully Jesse had a little pride in his diploma. You know, when he got his high school diploma, I hope he had a little pride in that, son, did you? Did you have a little pride in that? You know, it makes you feel good, right? You feel good when you do, you've accomplished that. You should feel good in that. But um, so, so there, there's nothing wrong with that. But there, there, is, um, there are a couple of things, though, that can take that and make it a bad thing. Because there's nothing wrong with that. That's pride. But if, if I think because of those beautiful kids, that makes me better than somebody else. Or if I think because I get my high school diploma, that makes me better than somebody else maybe that didn't finish high school. Or I get my, my, my college degree and I think I'm better than the, the, the kids I went to high school with that never went any further. Or, or I go and I get a master's degree and I think that makes me better than somebody else. That's when it's a, that's when it's a pride problem. When I think it makes me better than somebody else. And uh, so, so, so there's some things that can, can mess that up. Um, the first is this. So when we for, this is what makes that pride bad. All right. The first is this: is we forget about God and think our accomplishment is due to our own ability and effort. When I do that, pride's in the wrong way. So when Jesse goes, man, God didn't help me a bit with that. That was all me. Yeah, I got through this. If it hadn't been for the Lord helping that boy, I don't know if he'd have ever graduated. So. <laughs> I promise he ain't got nothing to be proud of in that regard. Amen. He's like his daddy. He was lucky to get out of high school. So I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That was for laugh's sake, Jesse. Don't, don't cry. <laughs> um, if, if, we, if we think it's all us, if it's our ability, if it's our effort and stuff, then we, that's wrong pride. It's because of what we've done. Um, there's nothing wrong with celebrating achievement as long as we remember that, that there is nothing that we have not received from the Lord. It's in the attitude of where it came from. So our, our celebration should always include expressions of praise, gratitude, and thanksgiving to God. Amen? And a lot of people criticize. I, I hear this. Some, I know the sports cast, the, the, the media, they hate when this happens. They hated when Kurt Warner won a Super Bowl because they knew what he was going to stand up and say. And I, I, I don't remember. 
remember if it was Kurt Warner or another Christian that stood up and, and they said, now, Kurt, we know you want to say, but before you say anything else, you know, what did and they want to go to talking about the game? And he said, no, no, no. Before we go anywhere else, I'm going to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For, for allowing me to be here today. So, you know, people will criticize an athlete when they do some exceptional thing and they tell the reporter or whoever, you know, I want to thank the Lord for giving me the ability to do that. The, the lost world don't understand that. They don't like it. They don't want to hear it because they want to, they puff up. You know, it's, a, it's about them and their accomplishments. And now they don't like to hear somebody give, give credit to the Lord because you know what that does? If I'm, if I'm saying that what I did, if you think that's a great accomplishment and I did that and I give credit to God, it means anything you did, you should give credit to God. They don't want to hear that and they don't like it. How many of you have been watching any of the track and field over the last couple of weeks? Anybody watching that at all? I don't, I don't, I've, I've, I've been watching it. I, I don't, like if that's on it, just any event, I probably don't watch it, but it's the world championship, so I'm watching it. And they had the U.S., I guess the U.S. Comp- competition a few weeks ago, and they're up there in Oregon. And uh, so they're having the world championships. I think it's the first time it's ever been in America for the world championships. But they're doing this, and so it's really cool. But I, I don't know, I don't think it was yesterday. I think yesterday was a replay of what had happened maybe the night before. But how many of you have heard the name Sydney McLaughlin? I mean, if you've heard that name, you may have heard her because the last Olympics, she won a gold medal. And I think it was in the I think it was the same event, the 400 hurdle, 400 meter hurdle. And so she's competing in the 400 meter hurdles. And this girl's just unbelievable. She 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 set a world record. And I mean, she crossed the line. It looked like a horse race where the horse had just left the field. It was that she had left the field. And she, she goes across the line, and she didn't break the record by, you know, one or two hundredths or thousandths, you know, what you'll see sometimes. I mean, it was like three or four hundredths of a second, which is unbelievable in track and field. And she comes across the line, and she sits down. She didn't go, to, oh, me, me, me. Uh, she didn't do a lot. She sat down, and they had the camera on her, and you could watch her lips. And I saw her going, I don't know what she was saying. I think I saw her say, like, thank you. And, and, and I'm thinking that's what she said. But I think she was talking to the Lord. She was, praising, she was praising God as an outspoken Christian. And she didn't make it about her. She didn't get all, you know, it wasn't all that. She sat, she sat on the, the, the track there, I don't know, two or three minutes. Just getting her breath, composing herself. And then she went over and she did the picture. I mean, it's, who wouldn't do that? I did, I'd do that. She did her picture. And then when they interviewed her, first thing she said was, I want to give thanks to God. Because I would not be here. And she quoted from Hebrews. I mean, she's talking about her faith. Just outspoken. And the media don't like it. They want you to shut up right now. And we just want to talk about track. Now, if you contrast that, I don't know if you watched what I was watching yesterday. But a race or two later, it was the, the 100 meter hurdles. And one of the American girls in a qualifying race. And, and she, um, she didn't get over the first hurdle. And, and you can tell she's upset, but it's not a mad like, man, I messed up and I'm, you know, it, it wasn't distraught. It was I, what I saw, and Gene and I were talking about this, I saw just pride and could not stand it that she messed up in front of everybody that they saw that. Just pride. She knocked over the others. And then when she's being interviewed, it's, it's all this well, I don't know what happened. I don't even know what to say. She wouldn't even look at the camera. She's looking off into space. I don't know what to say. I mean, that's just unbelievable. I cannot believe that because I'm so great. 
How in the world could I hit a hurdle? Somebody must have moved. You wonder what she's thinking. But what I saw was pride. It was pride because we don't handle things well when it's pride. So that, that, that's what you see. So uh, God may not care about sports. I hear people say, God don't care about who wins the football game. I think God's a, a Georgia fan. He put, he put his, his logo there. He's got a G on their helmet. I mean, I don't know. I do just. That is a joke. I don't know if God cares about sports, but, but I know this. I know God cares about his children, and he cares about his glory. And when his children give him glory, I promise you he cares about that. I promise you. I have no doubt. So when we try to take credit for our accomplishment and ignore what God has done, that's a problem with pride. Amen? Second thing on that is this. When we, when we think that we're better than someone else, and I kind of hit on this already. When we think we're better than someone else um, uh, because of what we've done, we've got a problem. Again, if I think I'm better because I've, I've, you know, I got a job, I make more money than somebody else, or I've got a title that's above somebody else, or you know, I've got more degrees than somebody else. If I think, man, how stupid is that? Because you're just looking at the wrong place. Look, go, go look at the guy's got 18 degrees. What an idiot you are compared to him. If that's your reasoning, right? But that's what we do. When we use that criteria and we start looking at ourselves and thinking, well, that's pride, folks, and we have to watch that. So the first reason why humility is so important is because it frees us from the problem of destructive pride. Okay? The second reason humility is important is because it is necessary for spiritual maturity. If you don't have humility, well, I'm just going to tell you, if you've, if you've got pride, you're only going to grow so much. Here's how I know. Uh, let's just read a few verses. You just do a search. Get a word search in, in some Bible program and search pride and read all the verses of how God deals with pride and his view of it. Proverbs 6, 16 and 17, the first part of 17. These six things the Lord hates, yea, seven are an abomination to him. What's the first one? Pride. A proud look. It's pride. Proverbs 15, 25. The Lord will restore the house of the proud but he will establish the boundary of the widow. Proverbs 16, 5. Everyone proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though they join forces, none will go unpunished. The proud. He does not like pride. Luke 18, 14. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. James 4, 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Man, do you want God's resistance or do you want his grace in your life? Folks, I want God's grace in my life. I want his grace in my life. I don't want his, his resistance to that. But folks, that's why if, if you've got pride in your life, you're going to struggle in your growth. You're going to struggle in, in becoming mature like the Lord wants you to do. Pride hinders our relationship with God. Now, I can be born again. I can be in, in, in a relationship with him, but it's going to hurt that fellowship when I'm full of pride because the Lord is constantly, I promise you, when there's pride, folks, he's working against that in her life. He's not going to bless us and prop us up even more when we're full of pride and not giving him praise. Okay, so that's important. C.S. Lewis put it, put it this way. C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said, a proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you can't see something that is above you. It's hard when you're looking down on other people, you're looking down on other situations. It's hard to see God 
and have your eyes on him when you're looking down on others. We need to get rid of pride and put on humility. F.B. Meyer said this. He said, I, I used to think that God's gifts were on, on shelves one above another and that the taller we grew in Christian character, the easier we could reach them. I now find that God's gifts are on shelves one beneath the other. It is not a question of growing taller, but of stooping lower, that we have to go down, always down, to get his best gifts. Wow, what a wonderful quote about humility and how we need to be humble in heart. So the third reason why humility is important is because it enables us to share the gospel more effectively with other people. Well, how does humility play into that, preacher? Well, um, think about this. You know, one of the reasons the Lord was, was able to relate so well with others was his humility. He was so humble. He is, he is God in flesh. He's God Almighty in flesh. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And, and he's humble. He's approachable. Matthew eleven twenty nine 29 says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest in, for your souls. Now, now, Jesus certainly had enemies, amen? He had those who didn't, didn't like him, and generally those were the, the, the religious Pharisees and those who were, you know, he was threatening their hierarchy and, and stuff. Um, it was those living in sin that were rebellious in sin. Most people, the general public, especially just ordinary people like us, and they found him to be the type of person that they wanted to be around. Um, and I think part of the reason for that was his humility. Christians are often accused of, of coming off as holier than thou. And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a tag that we get honestly. We've earned it. You know, we, we, in many cases, we deserve it. Christians have this holy, I'm better than you now. I'm better than them now. I don't want to talk. I'm not going to talk to that person. I stay away from over there. And we sometimes deceive ourselves into thinking that we're better and smarter than other people because we've received God's grace and trusted in Jesus Christ. Of course, grace by its very nature is undeserved and unmerited, and our intelligence has absolutely nothing to do with our salvation. Amen? Amen. Nothing. My salvation has nothing to do with me. It's all about him. So as Christians, we should think ourselves, we, we, shouldn't, th we, should, we shouldn't think ourselves better than any other person. Um, but as someone has said, we should consider ourselves as beggars who are simply telling other beggars where to find food. That ought to be our attitude. Look, I'm just a beggar who found food. The Lord's feeding me. I found him, and I'm going to tell other beggars, every other beggar, how they can get that food as well. Um, Church, I'm convinced a key ingredient in being effective in Christian ministry, either as a pastor or a layperson, is to develop the attitude that Paul says we should have in Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look, not, look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others." Now, this way of thinking is very much contrary to this self-centered culture that we live in. Amen? And, 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 and yet, as, as self-centered as we are, listen, this is, this is kind of funny right here. Because as self-centered as we are, as our culture is, we still don't like that quality in other people. You ever realize that? You know, we like people who are interested in us, not just themselves. We, we enjoy listening to people who talk about other concerns, not just their own. You ever, you ever meet somebody and for 10 minutes, 
all they talk about is themselves. And you leave there going, note to self, avoid them. But you talk to somebody and, and you have a conversation and nine of the ten minutes, they're talking about you. They're asking you questions. They're showing genuine interest in you. You leave that conversation, what do you think? Man, what a great conversationalist. I love that guy. And I love that guy. But you know what? A lot of times those are the guys that build you up. Those are the guys that build you up. They encourage you. They're asking you because they care. They want to know what's going on in your life. They're not just interested in telling you how wonderful they are, how great they are. Uh, but that's what we get caught up in doing is, is talking about ourselves a lot. Therapists report that inmates in mental institutions say, I or me, 12 times more often than residents of the outside world. And, so as and, and what is said is this, as their conditions improve, the patients use the personal pronoun less often. So, man, part of the problem with, with mental issue is that we're, all fo we're focused on us. And when the focus gets so much on us that all we talk about is I or me, I, me, 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 I, I, me, me. It's just let me tell you about this, let me tell you about this, let me tell you about me. Let me tell you about me. It's my favorite subject. Humility. And how I conquered it. <laughs> tell you about my book. So it's no surprise that, that, that a Christian who is constantly talking about himself or herself doesn't have much impact on other people. So we don't want to do that. Our job is not to convince people how wonderful we are, but to show them how wonderful Jesus is. Amen? So, man, when, you, you know, if, you, if you want to learn how to communicate with people, I recommend a book to you. Well, two books. First is the Scriptures. Read the Scriptures. Read the Word of God. That'll help you a lot. Number two, go read uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And he'll tell you how to, how to have a conversation that will influence people. And when you talk to somebody and you ask them questions, you show genuine interest in them, you know what? Then, that, then they'll listen to you. Because, man, it's, it's like it's been said a lot. People don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. They don't care. If you don't care about them, they don't care what you've got to say. They don't care what you're selling. It don't matter how good it might be. They're not going to listen to you if they don't think you care. Our job's not to get them to, 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 to understand how wonderful I am. It's to get them to understand how wonderful Jesus is. Amen? That's our job. Now, before I go on, I want to say a few things about humility and self-esteem. Okay? Sometimes people confuse the two. And you got to understand this. Biblical humility is not the same thing as low self-esteem. Biblical humility is not, oh, woe is me. I'm just a worm. I'm nothing. I'm so sorry. I can't do anything right. That's, that's, if you've got poor self-esteem, that's not humility. They're not the same thing. In fact, you can have super-duper uh, self-esteem and have no humility. You know, so the, 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 it's not that the two are the same thing. Um, Jesus and Paul and other apostles, they were very humble people, but I think it's obvious that they had very healthy self-esteem. They knew who they were, but here's what they knew. They didn't just know who they were. They knew who they were in the Lord. That was the important part. They knew who they were in the Lord. Humble people are really those who esteem or think of themselves accurately. They do what Paul tells us to do in Romans 12, 3. For I say... Through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. You know what he says? Think realistically. Look at yourself and truly evaluate who you are. If you have some, some inadequacies, work on those. If you've got some 
you got some big head inflated issues, work on that. But see yourself realistically. Look, if you, if you can go out and if you're a golfer and you can go out and shoot 70 every time you play, don't, don't badmouth and tell somebody, well, I'm not very good. That's not truth. That's not truth. That's not realistic. And you're not being humble. I'm not a very good golfer. What do you shoot? Well, I shoot par. What? Dennis, Dennis, are you a good golfer? I'm going to get some honesty here. All right. Yeah, he is. Dennis is a pretty good golfer, though he didn't get the hole in one. Uh, Rusty did, and Rusty was sitting there hoping I would say that. <laughs> yeah, Dennis, Dennis didn't get a hole in one. Dennis is pretty good, but I got the hole in one. On a par four, he got a hole in one. Um, we got to see ourselves realistically folks objectively be objective in in what you see and as christians our goal should not be low self-esteem or high self-esteem but humility which is simply a realistic view of who we are sinners saved by grace that's who we should be so it's good to be humble and and i hope this morning we've convinced you that of that 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 we need to be humble. We need to check any pride in our life, and we need to be humble. And, and if not, then I, I, I'm going to pray for you, and I hope you'll pray. I hope you'll pray that the uh, Lord will continue to speak to your heart, because I'm going to pray that the Lord speaks to your heart and your mind and everything and says, you got an issue right here, you got an issue right here, or wherever it is, that God will reveal that to you. And, uh, but look, if you agree that it is good to be humble, but like me, you sometimes find it hard to be that way. I mean, me and Cliff, we sing a song together. We sing a song. Me and Cliff sing this song. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. Y'all are going to sing it with me, ain't you? I can't wait to look in the mirror. I get better looking each day. Cliff can't sing that line. But, but Cliff, Cliff sings that. I hear him. He comes in the office. He's whistling that song. And so I thought of you last night when I, was, I, I added that just for you, Cliff. But look, that's what we all do. We all struggle in some area with humility. We do because, because we really do. We, we think we're great in this or that area. And so we've got to have a realistic view. So if you're struggling, you're still struggling with that, I want to give you six real quick. I'm going to hit through them real quick. Six points how you can help, how you can check that humility. Okay, number one, compare yourself to God, not to others. If you, if, you, if you want to put yourself and compare to somebody, you compare yourself to God. All these, these visions of grandeur that you have will melt away. Instead of looking down on others, you look up to Him. And when we focus on that, boy, that will humble us quicker than anything. Number two, remember you're only a Christian because of God's grace. Amen? Timothy, 1 Timothy 1.15, Paul said this. He said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. If Paul could say that, I promise you every one of us in this room can say that. We, we, are, we are just sinners. I deserve hell as much as Hitler and Stalin and anybody else. But it is only because of God's grace that I'm not headed there. It's nothing that I've done. So remember that you're a Christian by God's grace. Number three, realize that God is the source of everything we have. He's the source. Uh, James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. 
Every good gift, every good thing, everything we have, not just our salvation, but folks, the air that we breathe, the water we drink, the food we eat, our friends, our family, our health, our talent, our ability, any of those that we have, all these things, all the things which bring us joy and pleasure in life are gifts from God. And when we acknowledge that, we keep our eyes on that, man, it, it's humbling. Number four, admit mistakes. Admit my mistakes. There's nothing more humbling than having to admit when you've made a mistake. Amen? Amen. I mean, it's not the funnest thing to do, right? Uh, but, but I promise you, when, when, if, if we'll do this, our relationships will be better. I'm sorry I was wrong, period. Not I'm sorry I was wrong, but you were wronger. <laughs> or I'm sorry I was wrong, but you know, you did this, which made me... Do no, no, no. Just when we learn to say I'm sorry, I was wrong. Please forgive me. Those kind of things, they'll, they'll help in our relationships, and we ought to come before the Lord that same way. Uh, also, every time that I say I'm sorry, every time I say I'm wrong, every time I say I've made a mistake, you know what it does? It reminds me that I'm not perfect. It reminds me there's things I've got to work on in my life. Number five, acknowledge the gifting of others. This isn't as obvious, but I joke about this, and I can, I can tell you it really does not bother me, but I love I loved picking on Fred about it. See if he looks at me. He did look at me. He can hear me back there. Fred will come in and, you know, I've joked with you. He, he doesn't do it all the time. He doesn't do it at all now. I've ruined it. But he'll come in. He would come in and say, Preacher, I heard the best message this week. It was the best message, like the best I've ever heard. It's always, it's never me. You know, it's, it's always, it's always like, what, Sunday? Was it Sunday morning, 1015? No, Preacher, it was John MacArthur. Oh, okay. So, look, here's our tendency. Our tendency is when somebody says something good about somebody else is, is we want to tear it down. And, and th but that's our pride. We, we want to tear them down because, you, know, you, you know, you've attacked my pride now because, man, what, why, don't I, why don't I do what Paul's saying about these other guys? Why don't I go, man, if, if God used that in your life, praise the Lord. If he's preaching the word of God, because here's where I go. Here's where I, my, my mind goes, well, great, Fred, but let's see if he comes see you when you're in the hospital. MacArthur ain't, going, MacArthur ain't going to come see you in the hospital. We'll see what happens. MacArthur ain't going to lunch with you, Fred. Uh, no. That's what we would tend to do, right? We want to tear that other person out. Well, you don't know. I've heard he's got pride in his life as I'm tearing him down because i got pride in my life. Whatever. Folks, acknowledge the gifting of others. It, it, you know, I'm going to say this. Listening to Jim play the piano, it, fantastic, Amen. But that doesn't, that doesn't diminish what Pastor Aaron was doing on the piano. What it does is, though, by Jim using his gifting now, it's enhanced up here. We got another instrument going. Aaron's playing that electric guitar. I heard a little bit of that. I was trying to listen for that and catching it. It's a different sound, but I love it. The last two or three weeks, it's a whole different, it's a different sound. It's not better than it was, not worse than it was. It's just different, and it's, I love it. But I could say, boy, Jim sure sounded good on the piano. Aaron go, oh, well, he can't do this if he's insecure, if, he's, if his pride's flaring up. No. When we talked about it, he says, yeah, man, I love having him in there because it helps us all get better. Man, that's what we have to learn to do. We've got to learn to do that. So acknowledge the gifting in others. That helps me with, with my pride. And the sixth is this, do all, do all, do all for the glory of God. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Everything we do, Pastor Aaron, you and your team can come up. 
Do all for the glory of God. Everything we do. Now, if I can be proud, if it's for God's glory, then I think that would be okay. But I promise you, being proud, being arrogant, uh, whatever the situation might be, is not for the glory of God. Because that's for the glory of me. And that's not what we need to do. Folks, are you humble? Are you a humble person? If you are truly humble, don't get proud in the fact that you're humble. Keep pursuing true humility in your life. Continue to work on that. We can always uh, improve in that area of humility. Um, If you know you should be more humble, I encourage you to pick one or two or three or four or five or even six of these things, and maybe there's things I haven't listed that will help you with humility. Find those things that are going to help you and work on those things. Take it before the Lord. Spend time talking to Him. Lord, show me when my pride flares up. And let Him him speak to your heart. And so then spend some time this week praying. Spend some time talking to God. And spend some time exercising humility. Man, it'll go a long way. There's a lot of great benefits to that. And when we're humble, man, it'll take care of a lot of the problems we have in church. It'll take care of problems we have at home. It'll take care of problems we have in the workplace. If you're going down the interstate and somebody cuts you off, they didn't almost run you in the ditch, but they just cut off in front of you or whatever. And if you're humble, you know what? It doesn't bother you. It's when we, 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 we think, what are they? Who do they think they own the road? What we're saying is, hey, I own the road. What are you doing? That's what we're saying. That's what I say. That's what I'm thinking. What are, you, what are you doing getting in my way, holding me up? Who do you think you are? Amen. It's a lot to work on this morning. And so this morning, if you're, if you're a believer, I, you know, the truth is we all, I think we all can work on this, this issue of humility. Maybe this morning, you know, maybe this morning is a good time to come to the altar and talk to the Lord. And, and, and look, I don't, I'm not trying to manipulate you. I want you all to understand when I talk about the altar here, th- these aren't steps. Right now, this, this is an altar. An altar is a place to pray. And I, I honestly believe if God is speaking to your heart, now is the time to deal with it. I also believe there's fully something to responding and moving in an invitation. When God speaks to your heart, that So I don't want 50 people down here at the altar this morning because I I manipulated you into it. But what I want you to understand is if God's speaking to your heart, don't put it off and say, I'll deal with it in the car. Because you know what? 99 times out of 100, you won't deal with it in the car. The the moment will be passed and you'll go, oh, yeah, well, yeah, it's not really that big a deal. When God speaks to your heart, move. Maybe it's a time to come in the altar or sit on the front pew. That movement says to God, I'm not just going to sit here and make it easy. I'm going to, here's another thing. Pride may say, well, I'd love to go pray, but I wonder what somebody else will think. When we're humble, we don't care what anybody else thinks but the Lord. Amen? Maybe this morning there's something you need to talk to the Lord about. Maybe it's a time to come and, 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 and talk to Him at the altar. But the other thing is this morning, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, if you don't know that you know that you know this morning that you're born again and going to heaven... I plead with you to step out this morning. Come down and let me take the Bible and show you, introduce you this morning to the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that as we, as we stand in a moment, as we sing, as we respond in this time of invitation, 
Father, that you would just move on our hearts. And again, may we just humble ourselves before you and may we be obedient to respond however you lead. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.